0: Welcome to the Refinitive Sustainability Perspectives podcast, where our goal is to engage and inform our audience from investors to asset managers and portfolio managers to sustainability leaders and those involved in ESG and sustainable finance. This is Kisa Shreen. The impact investing industry has grown in depth and sophistication over time, but there are challenges hindering this process, such as impact washing. To discuss this with us today is Christina Leonhuvid, CEO at Bluebark, a leading provider of independent impact verification services for investors and companies. Christina, welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, Kisa. So before we dive deep into the problem of impact washing, could you please remind us of the difference between impact investing, ESG investing and other similar concepts? What are the differences between them?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And there is certainly some gray area and I think increasing overlap and convergence between the ESG movement and the impact investing movement. However, I think a shorthand way of um, distinguishing between um, investing with an ESG lens and impact investing is um, to think about ESG, integrating ESG factors and in investment processes is, is really about thinking about um, the nature of the business operations. So sort of the operational effects in terms of environmental, social, and governance um, practices and processes that you you know that an investor might like to see in a given business or or company impact investing is really all about outcomes so it's investing with a specific lens uh, around what is the ultimate outcome that this business is contributing to that will better better the world in some way and and most investors these days are Using the Sustainable Development Goals uh, as a framework to ground those outcomes-based goals.
0: Operations versus outcomes. So, if we're talking to investors, and you know, who are very outcome-oriented, why should investors care about impact investing? What is the state of it? Let's talk about the the amount of assets that that are are in this area right now.
1: Yeah. So, I, I I've been in the field really. Uh, well, since the the genesis of the term impact investing, of course, the the seeds were sown for this movement years before the 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 term was coined back in 2007, um, really uh, by the Rockefeller Foundation and a, and a group of other investors. And at that time, you know, we I think collectively, um, sm- small group that Rockefeller gathered felt that the um, the, the market was, had showed great promise, but was still very peripheral to mainstream markets. Um, I, I and my colleagues at J.P. Morgan at the time put out a report that um, forecast the, the market might grow to between $400 billion and $1 trillion in assets over 10 years. And at the time, we we honestly thought we were being extremely audacious. In putting that out to the market, but it was, you know, it was a way to put the movement on the map. Today, um, the the Global Impact Investing Network estimates that the market has grown to seven hundred and fifteen billion. Um, so it it turns out somehow we we were um, we were right in terms of the range of of AUM in this market. The the IFC is actually estimates the market even higher than that at two, about two, $2 trillion dollars.
0: So let's talk about the challenges that exist now. You mentioned that years ago you saw one of the challenges as this being perceived as um, not an actual market, but something that was more on the periphery. Does that remain a challenge or as we move forward and become more sophisticated, do we see other challenges? And from here we can talk about impact washing and how that's presenting a challenge as well.
1: Yeah, I mean... I think in in the early days, you know, I think um, impact investing was largely regarded as sort of a a separate and distinct method of investing with, you know, again, this in very intentional um, uh, approach to um, seeking social and environmental impact and measuring for those outcomes. Today it has really evolved and matured. Again, I, I'd say in some respects beyond my wildest dreams um 10 or 15 years ago and, and um and now I think has has grown so much in terms of the mainstream uh attention and capital that's flowing into this market when we see the likes of Blackstone and KKR and JP Morgan launching impact funds you know that impact investing has sort of truly arrived in terms of you know attracting uh, really widespread um interest amongst asset owners that that is pushing these mainstream mainstream asset managers and intermediaries to launch funds to respond to that client demand um so that is that is really exciting with that of course comes the concern that you've, you've led with, which is the concern that, you know, these, you know, with, that, with this massive movement of mainstream capital towards impact investing, um, there are risks of impact washing. And that, that, that arises from still a lack of labeling standards. Nobody actually owns the impact label. So the market has to police the use of the label itself.
0: So let's talk about the impetus behind um, the launch of BlueMark. Tell us what need you saw that really existed in the market. Where was the gap? And what is the approach of an impact verification service? What's the use case for it? How are investors involved? And what is the ultimate outcome?
1: Yeah, well, thank you. So um, BlueMark, it was – Launched at the beginning of of this year, we we launched the brand on October 1st, but the actual business was launched on on in January, uh, and it really grew out of uh, recognition by uh, my two business partners, Ben Thornley, Kim Wright, Vilač, and myself, um, who we, we have been running a, a specialized impact consulting firm called Tideline for the last six six plus years. We recognized this. Um, kind of surging critical demand for uh, an assurance service, um, an expert third party who could look under the hood um, in, in various asset managers and investor contexts and provide an independent assessment of the quality of the impact practices and the quality of impact reporting that's being conducted. So that was really the genesis of Blue Mark, it was, you know, the first kind of kernel of the idea and light bulb went off with the launch of, um, or the advent of the operating principles for impact management, which is a relatively new standard in the market around which many investors, 110 or so have coalesced. Um, it was launched by the IFC, the private sector arm of the World Bank and 60 other signatories. And that that's Standard um, to which all of these investors are signatories actually required uh, independent verification of the signatories. So some of our existing clients at TideLine started turning to us and saying, "You know, we need we need a specialist to come verify that we're aligning to this this market standard." And so that was the kernel of the idea for BlueMark, and and we quickly realized we needed to set BlueMark up as an independent entity, separate from our consulting business um, to meet this demand, but also that the range of verification services was going to grow over time as there are various aspects of impact assurance that the market is requiring, um, both on, again, practices, um, how, how an investor is conducting impact management and measurement to optimize for the impact goals they've articulated, um, but also the assurance of impact performance and the reporting that is done around the actual impact performance of those assets.
0: And so, Christina, you mentioned one of the risks um, with impact investing being that there aren't really strong standards that are universal, that are global, yet it sounds like this is a use case for verification. So it seems as if it would be a bit challenging to verify where there are no strict standards. How do you get um, beyond that huge hurdle trying to verify these positions when the standards are pretty murky?
1: Yeah, It's, um, it's, it's a great question. And I think the good news is the standards are coming. And I think there's been a ton of progress on laying the groundwork for an effective, discrete set of standards to help this market essentially self-govern around the use of the impact label. One of those standards, and again, a relatively new one, as as I just mentioned, is the operating principles for impact management. Another one that's coming out of um, the United Nations Development Program is uh, called SDG Impact. And it's another standard around an investor's practices for use of the Sustainable Development Goals, uh, and the, and the Impact Label in their um, in their in their reporting and labeling of their funds. Um, there's a ton of work going on right now by various, both voluntary standard setters and regulatory. Groups and accounting groups on reporting and um, performance disclosure standards. So I am more optimistic than I've ever been that we're going to get there in the next couple of years. In the meantime, um, you know, clients are turning to groups like Bluemark to provide not only comfort to their LPs and other asset owners who are investing in their funds, but they're turning to Bluemark because, you know, most asset managers really want to know how they're stacking up against kind of best practice and industry um, industry standards. And, and, and that's still very murky to individual players. They, you know, most investors truly do have, have positive, you know, good intentions they're trying to sort of articulate very clear and transparent impact strategies and theses and back them up with robust processes and standards. Nobody wants to, no investor wants to be accused of impact washing at the end of the day and and damage their reputation. But but many of them don't quite know what best practice is. So groups like Blue Mark um, help to sort of shed a light on how how investors are sort of benchmarking against others in the market.
0: So if we look at business as an ecosystem, you have investors, you have those managers who are in the business as well as portfolio managers, investors, you have consumers, you have shareholders. What is the role of each of these members of the ecosystem in terms of preventing impact washing as well as ensuring that these standards happen? What is the role and what's in it for them?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I think the ultimate stakeholder interest that that at we're looking to serve and protect with BlueMark's verification service is the ultimate asset owner. But also the the when it, when we talk about asset owners, that can be a big bucket, right? That can be your individual retail investor. That can be a high net worth family. That can be a large, massive institutional investor. That is frankly, allocating assets on behalf of their um, shareholders or retail clients. And so it's the interests of asset owners and asset allocators that are directly served by kind of having a robust set of standards and a robust assurance process. Because if you think about it, if you're an asset owner and you're trying to construct a portfolio against a set of social or environmental objectives there's only so much due diligence you can handle on your own right i mean you can you can have a robust due diligence process you can engage to some extent with with asset managers but really you need this to be made more efficient if you're going to move larger capital you know if you're a, if especially if you're you're a large pension fund or something a cio for a large pension fund, you need third party experts who will cut down some of the friction, um, create more transparency, you know, provide you the assurance that there's sort of minimum standards being abided by um, by the asset managers you're investing in. And so it really is up to the asset owners and the asset allocators to obviously do their own homework, but also to ask for you know, ask for these kind of third party assurances, um, but also to push, you know, from a policy point of view to for, for you know, better standards. Um, and, you know, I think the regulators also have a role here as well. Um, we're seeing the regula- regulators in Europe move, move in. Um, and I think, you know, there's hope that in the US we'll see some movement in the next few years as well.
0: Great information, Christina. So we started off talking about the difference between ESG and impact. ESG, as you mentioned, the nature of business operations, ESG practices and processes. Um, investors want to see those things versus impact, which is the ultimate outcome in terms of impact investing. We talked about the challenges from for impact investing. Historically, um, impact investing really looking p- being looked at or being perceived as a separate method of investing. And today, it's a lot more mainstream, but one of the primary challenges or risks would be from impact washing and really from a lack of standards, and we hope that that's all changing in terms of seeing greater standards in the future. We talked about the importance of having third-party expertise to really verify alignment to market standards and how that expertise is in the interest of many in the business ecosystem, asset owners, allocators, regulators, as you brought up, and efficiency around Due diligence, creating transparency, and providing assurance as being a critical factor for businesses and investors. Christina Leonhuvit, CEO at BlueMark. Thank you so much for joining us. We invite you to subscribe to the Refinitive Sustainability Perspectives podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your content. What did you think about the podcast? Leave us a review on iTunes. Or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for updates on our show. You can even check us out on YouTube now. Thank you for joining. See you next time.